0: angels welcome back to everybody hates la today i want to talk about the most iconic woman of arguably all time she's most well known for being the most idolized woman of our modern age the let's say cleopatra of sexism and feminism and beauty and fullness she's quite literally the american dream and I strongly believe she was murdered. Now, if you don't know who I'm talking about because you live under a rock or somewhere where people can't find you, Marilyn Monroe. Known as an obsessive, ambitious, and intense worker, she always strove for perfection in everything that she did. And nobody can take that from her. I mean, she's been in countless movies. She's sang so many different songs. Um, and we literally know her name. And she died probably, what, 60 years ago? I don't know how to do math, but whatever we here now. We all have to wonder if her intense ambitions and work ethic came from a need for approval though, given her upbringing. So why don't we start there? Born on June 1st, 1926, which makes her a Gemini, Norma Jean was her original name. It wouldn't be until years later when the young girl would grow up into Marilyn, which really started her career. Something unique about her name is that she's named after a child that her mother once used to care for. Her dad wasn't really in the picture, but it's uh, believed that she thought Clark Gable was her dad. He's this sexy man back in the day, and her mom had a picture of him in their house, so she'd always be like, oh, that's my dad. And I'm not saying that I have a lot in common with her, um, but when we talk about daddy issues, I definitely do. My father didn't want to have me either, and he couldn't convince my mom to get an abortion, so he decided to name me Francisca, which is the name of his main mistress that he cheated on my mom with. Marilyn's last name is Mortensen which came from her mother's husband at the time of her birth although her mother and her husband had parted ways a year before her actual birth shortly after she was born her mom Gladys moved her into the care of Ida and Albert Wayne Bolenda over in Inglewood initially the couple were neighbors with Gladys and Hawthorne um, which is a town on the west side of LA but don't get that confused with the west side associated with Santa Monica Venice you know don't come for me Uh, Ida and Albert were known locally to foster children as they didn't have any of their own and couldn't have any of their own. Soon after, Gladys moved to Hollywood due to work and visited Marilyn on the weekends um, or literally whenever she could. This was until Marilyn turned seven when her mom decided that it would be best to bring Marilyn to live with her in Hollywood. The mom would rent out rooms to make a little bit extra money and would take Marilyn to the movies and saw shows and kind of groomed her to the idea of becoming a star. It didn't take long, though, for the stress of having her daughter back working full time and owning a house that would cause a nervous breakdown for Marilyn's mom. Some sources say that part of her anxiety was also due to having trouble with one of the boarders who may or may not have sexually assaulted Marilyn. Now, we don't know any of this for fact. There's a lot of fiction out there. There's a lot of stories about people who thought they knew them and didn't know them, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm just letting you know what I can find. Gladys was ultimately diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and declared legally insane. And so her best friend and supervisor at the editing studio that she worked at took legal guardianship over Gladys and Marilyn. Over the next few years, Marilyn would continue to be moved from house to house. So really she didn't have a stable upbringing, right? Her mom abandoned her when she was a kid. She moved in with this beautiful couple that took good care of her, moved back to Hollywood to be with her mom, moved again to be in somebody else's house. Her mom isn't insane. Imagine being like 10 and being told that your mom actually can't take care of you, which. I don't know, maybe that would have been better than (laughs) being told that your mom is the right mom and you know that she's actually crazy. Um, Once with the Atkinson family, they moved back to England. So then she had to go to another family with uh, Garvey Giffen, who then took to entertainment, had a daughter similar to her age. And ultimately, Gladys refused to allow any more families to adopt her because she believed she would come back and create a stable life for her daughter. So even after moving all of the time, she still couldn't get a stable upbringing. Grace, Gladys' best friend, moved Norma Jean into Los Angeles Orphan Home, now called Holly Grove, in September of 1935. Marilyn was so depressed in the orphanage that a year later, Grace took her out and moved her in with her family. And a year after that, they moved a house, to another house with another family. It's not exactly said why, but another question of the doctor making a pass at Norma Jean or the responsibilities of another job. So again, a lot of fiction, but what we do know is that she moved a lot. When Marilyn was 12, she would finally catch a break with Anna Lauer, Grace's aunt. Anna was in her 60s and worked for for a church when she provided spiritual counseling. It's said that Anna would serve as a mother figure to Marilyn. However, because she was so old, Anna was starting to have heart problems, which were definitely acting up. So Grace had to find another home for Marilyn. Now, Marilyn is probably 15, 16 at the time. She was fine at school, but not necessarily great. She was in school plays, but she was really considered shy, right? She didn't have a stable upbringing. She didn't have stable people in her life. She was always moving to place to place to place. And so I'm sure that having friends and making friends was really hard for her. So she's lived with basically all of their friends and family. I'm sure there weren't that many people left over. So Grace convinced Marilyn to marry one of her family friends' sons, James Goddard. James was 22 at the time. He had just, you know, he was the high school quarterback. He was a local celebrity. Everybody really knew him. He was student body president. He had just graduated. Um, And Marilyn dropped out of high school in sophomore year and married him in 1942. Which imagine moving so much, going to school and then being told, you know what, actually, let's do this instead. Why don't you just marry this person, start your life. There you go. After two years of marriage, Jim joined the Merchant Marines and was shipped overseas, which sounds terrible, except that it honestly was the start for everything for Marilyn. She took a job an assembly line in an aircraft factory and became the literal version of Rosie the Riveter, which, if you didn't know, was a cultural icon in World War II and represented women that worked in factories and shipyards during the war. It was there that in 1945, photographer David Conover found her during a photo shoot for an army magazine called Yank, and he was so impressed by her photogenic quality um, that he had another modeling agency sign her. And I think the modeling agency was called Emmeline Snively, which, again, don't at me for these pronunciations. I'm trying my best. Um, and she rose to success immediately. And within a year, she was featured in Loft, Peak, Par- Sea, Parade, Glamorous Models. So she had really a really photogenic gene, which I think we've all seen with her. But even back then, um, she was really taught and done everything that she could do. She had immense stage fright and therefore didn't join any moving pictures, but she was set to hold complex poses for a long time, so much so that cinematographers called it the flesh impact and compared to to Greta Garbo, who's considered one of the greatest screenwriters of all time. So what is it exactly about her that made her so popular, right? We know that she's pretty, we know that she can hold poses, but really it came down to the right timing and sex, doesn't it always? At the time, the soldiers were collecting photos while at war overseas and got this new sense of of understanding of eroticism. So what that meant in the U.S. is that this new type of magazine of photography had to make its way out there for people to actually purchase. So these semi-nude photos that were easily accessible in culture now became these new photos of Hollywood pinup, which are really this new style, which I think you all know. Marilyn was made for this. She was offered a contract with 20th Century Fox with a new contract. Her name was officially changed to Marilyn Monroe. So where did it come from? Marilyn was chosen by her talent scout, Ben Lyon, because he thought that she resembled Marilyn Miller, who was a star from the 1920s. Um, And she herself chose Monroe because that was her father's middle name, or so they said. Now, they also thought that the initials MMM sounded sexy and felt so much better than Norma Jean Daugherty, right? Which was her actual name. Now, you hear the name Fox a lot. And honestly, over the course of her career, she was fired and hired and fired and hired again, which I thought was really hilarious because all these men in the studios had so much control over their workers and their actors and actresses. And then these women really came forward and just were like, actually, no, screw you. (laughs) So we'll go into that now. So knowing that Fox and other major studios signed a lot of girls at the time, um, and they dropped them after a while if they didn't work hard enough or if they didn't just fit. So Marilyn did everything that she could to get noticed. She volunteered for extra publicity work. She hounded the press agenda. She became friends with journalists. And honestly, like she may or may not have slept with agents and producers. I think we all kind of know what it is, but I don't want to say anything that I don't know. She made friends easily she they warmed up to her mannerisms again she was really shy so she had to work extra hard to to be where she needed to be and she was often described as a joyful infectious she had this iconic self-deprecating wit she was kooky she had this offbeat manner and empathetic eyes right which i think if she were here now we would all be best friends with her um but none of that got her anywhere so in 1948 she was dropped by fox as i had just said and columbia MGM wasn't interested. Many of the studios just said that she was sexy, but like a big breasted blonde, right? What are they going to do with her? So Fox made her into this girl next door. Columbia redesigned her to be this glamour girl. And so when those roles didn't work and the movies weren't working because everything was changing, she decided to make herself into the sexiest actress in Hollywood. She went to acting school for two years. She spent so much money on acting school and modeling and photos and all of these things that she wanted to teach herself that she, it's often said that she didn't have enough money for food or even her rent. But it all worked out. In 1948, she met Johnny Hyde at a Hollywood New Year's Eve party. Johnny was the VP of Williams-Morris Agency. You might have heard of it. And he thought, and they said that, (laughs) and thought he saw immediate star quality in her. Now, I think he's kind of gross. And by kind of, I mean really gross. He's old. Yes, he's successful. But like, you're a white man in Hollywood who's making it. And he definitely suffered from a heart condition and wanted to have a young lover to make him feel loved again. Regardless, he promoted her tirelessly. He introduced her to all of the important people in Hollywood. It was good to be seen with him and she made it, right? And at the time, she had so much practice kind of shooting herself and with modeling and acting and publicity that she really made everything work for her. And she was incredibly smart. Like, I don't know if nowadays anybody's working as smart as as she Like did back then eventually uh she got her breakout role in the asphalt jungle playing a young mistress of an aging lawyer for a criminal gang and hyde called in a favor to get her cast in Fox's all about eve she completely shone in all of those films she was working with all these incredible actors and actresses of the time um and she was working with them right so she had this all-star cast she joined films that were winning oscars she started to get notice um so all of her work was paying off and the execs began to notice her and her career continued to climb steadily not for a lack of people trying to obstruct her. So she's famous, she's in all these movies, she's working hard, and in 1951, one of her old photo shoots that turned out to be a nude calendar came out and was released, and everyone was panicked. So this is the time where, again, you have like three news channels, nobody is really talking to a lot, you don't have as many channels as you have nowadays, right? So everyone's panicked, her publicity team is calling her, the studio's like, what the heck, we're gonna have to fire you but she handled it so well. So during a press conference, cause back there it was like a crisis, they had a press conference where they're like, here's what's this happening and or why is this happening? And they said that a journalist during the conference asked, what did you have on when the photo was taken? And her iconic response was the radio. Now that's some queen shit right there. and makes me so happy. But in reality, the scandal got her even more publicity. So I'm sure she was not complaining. Um, by 1953, she was on every single screen that you could probably think of. She was receiving up to 20,000 fan letters every single week. She was able to transform herself. She had so many different versions, so many different characters, so many different opportunities um, you know, ahead of her. She was a sex goddess, she was erotic, she was forthright. But even with all of that, the one character that people really recognize her for and that got her the most uh, attention was being this dumb blonde, which, you know, not that much has changed right now. And I, you know, we know that at the end of her life, there were a lot of drugs involved. And I wonder if that started at that time versus before, but whatever, we'll go into that. So as her career um, continued to branch off into many different areas, um, a bunch of people were telling her that she's going to have to marry, right? She's a woman. She's famous. Why don't you just marry this famous baseball star, Joe D'Amelio? I don't care if I say his name wrong because he sounds like a jerk. We'll go with it. Go sports. Um, but they married in 1954 and at the time she turned down her first role ever in pink tights. So you might've heard me say that if you turn down um, a role because you know, you're on contract with these studios, so they pay you on a weekly basis. You're said to do X amount of movies, whatever. And if you, if you turn down a role that was really unacceptable and they punished you for that. So her team put her on hold as a punishment, um, but she came back and on the honeymoon trip, she left Joe to go to the war and entertained upwards of 100,000 soldiers. You would have seen some of those videos and those photos. And really, that was when her image as a star was solidified. Now, while that was great for her career, Joe honestly couldn't handle that she was more famous than him, um, and they divorced a year later. She broke a contract with Fox, moved to New York, where she formed her own production studio called Marilyn Monroe Productions, which at the time, and still now, is really crazy for her, right? To move to New York, to start a production studio, to break her contract, to really start this new life. As a woman, as a pioneer, she, she did it, and she did it successfully. Now, why did she run away to New York, right? I think probably change is what I'm assuming, right? We all kind of just wanna run away and do different things. Um, but when she was in New York, she began taking classes from Lee Strasberg, who was renowned for method acting, um, which if you don't know what that is, it's a known for looking inside to find memories that can be used as motivators for playing characters. I know not how to do that because we're still working on confidence over here. Um, but Marilyn excelled at it. She continued to take classes again. She's a hard worker. She's going to put the effort in and she matched her new life with a more elegant persona, wearing designer clothing and decorating her apartment with white and beige mirrors, just like glamour stars. Jean Harlow used to do, um, And it's also when we know that she took a bunch of drugs, right? So she would make a lot of friends over in New York, but it's also said that she would go to their houses and to the families and have dinners and show up at two o'clock in the morning, you know, go to dinner and be totally kind of spaced out because she was on so many different drugs. Um, So it was really scary. I think it was really worrisome, but of course she's a star. Everyone's just happy to be around with her. Um, And fun fact, I went to New York a few years ago And I found out where she lived and I ended up going to that apartment building and the person outside opened my taxi door and let me in and I walked inside and then I gave it away and I was like, I'm a tourist. And he kicked me out instantly, but beautiful building, highly recommend 10 out of 10. So after taking all those classes, she quickly began dating Arthur Miller, who's a writer who she met a few years earlier. Um, And they eventually got married Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And in 1955, she signed a new seven-year contract with again 20th Century Fox. So Fox comes again. They just couldn't let her go, but they didn't like that she had so much control over her life. So she got a lot more money. She got a lot more control over the films, uh, but things were still really difficult for her. Right? Arthur was in trouble with the law. Their marriage was declining. Marilyn was having trouble falling asleep. Again, she's addicted to drugs now. She's addicted. Probably, honestly, like. I would even argue like mixing drugs with alcohol. Like there's just, there's just a lot of trauma there that I think she wasn't dealing with. And she'd probably just tried to overwork herself to forget everything. And it just kept on coming back and back and back. And over the next few years, She experienced a few miscarriages, she endured lots of stressful sets, especially The Misfits, where the co-star tragically passed away right after it was finished. And honestly, the sets back then, which we'll go into in a different podcast, weren't that safe. Like a lot of people had paintings, like they had paint on them that was actually toxic to them. They had to be in their costumes for hours and hours and hours at a time, which just isn't healthy for you and it's gonna hurt anybody. Um, And in November of 1960, Arthur and Marilyn divorced and that's when she became suicidal. And it was probably one of the most pivotal moments of her life because they moved her into the Payne Whitney Clinic in New York in the psych ward and told her that she had to go into isolation. Now, we don't know why she went into isolation, but her psychiatrist later claimed that they made an error in judgment, and they definitely did. So while she was in the psych ward, Marilyn managed to call Joe, who had her freed and moved to a private room of another hospital. And for the next few months, they'd rekindle their romance and Marilyn would go back and forth from Hollywood to Florida to New York, back to Hollywood, back to Florida. Um, And there was just a lot of controversy and confusion over her life for a few months. And it just seemed like nobody really knew what was going on. She didn't know what was going on. Um, But really, somewhere in there, she met the Kennedys and had some sort of relationship with them until the summer of 1962 when she died or was killed. Some narratives claim that she killed herself because she couldn't get the love that she desired. Others say it was just a tragic overdose. Now, there are some rumors that she did keep a diary of Kennedy's musings and was going to expose them so someone had to come and take care of her, quote unquote. So let's go into that theory and look at what we know. And it's not, honestly, it's not that much. We know that on May 19th, 1962, Marilyn was invited to Madison Square Garden to attend a fundraiser and early birthday celebration for President John F. Kennedy. We know that she sang happy birthday to him and the sultry voice. I think all of us know what that sounds like. And we also know that both parties were invited to multiple events previous to this. So um, it's not confirmed that they ever actually met. Like There are some photos of each party being at certain events with their spouses, never of them actually musing together. Um, uh, but there is one event in nineteen sixty two um, about a few months before she actually died in March, when Marilyn was said to be in Palm Springs for a party of her close friend. And somebody overheard a conversation that appeared to be Kennedy's voice. Um, it's rumored that Kennedy may have been at the same party. Maybe he got a massage for his bad back. All of that checks out. But it's really not confirmed, and it's hard to say, right? We know that Marilyn loved, again, she loved press. She loved kind of secrets. So, Even if it wasn't an actual affair, maybe it was just, you know, they were both good-looking people. It's not uncommon for two good-looking people to kind of get together and do what they're going to do. So it's all just hard to say. What we do know is that the phone records the day of her death and lots of evidence around her death disappeared, right? So is that due to fans taking advantage? Is that due to some weird things happening in her life or maybe some powerful figures being in her life that don't want to get found out? We do know that the police didn't do a proper investigation and no real information was gained. So, Marilyn. She lives in the fantasies of millions of people. She's an icon of glamour, beauty, and rebellion. She was the ultimate act of self-presentation in the 21st century and so incredibly smart. Her story is one of enrichment and endless possibilities, plots, characters, events. She literally created all of these characters for herself. And I think that you know. while we can't answer her death or what happened the day that she died I think we can find ourselves grateful to have her symbolism in our life and to aspire to so let me know what you think I'm really sad now but I'm also really happy because I love Marilyn but um, thank you all so much for listening thank you all so much for watching I'll catch you next time